Hey everybody, howdy. I usually say howdy. Yeah. Welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the uh, thing we do that doesn't have a strict intro, but it's where we talk about movies that, and other stuff that we've seen mm-hmm. since the last time we did one of these. Now, when you I'm, say other stuff, do you mean like things we've seen on the street as we're driving along or, you know, just... Potentially, I didn't stuff have that anything... Stuff strikes us. Yeah, I didn't have anything planned like that. Okay. But Here's something I saw today, David. I'm David. Oh, I'm Tyler. Okay. Here's something I saw today. So, what? What? Uh, Jen and I... Oh, I don't care for that. Uh, Jen and I were walking home from the gym okay. and uh, we stopped for a moment to have a discussion about how fast we were walking. My vote was too fast. Uh, oh, see, I have noticed in other ways that we've talked about off mic that are maybe too personal that okay. we've talked about your relationship with Jen is like the gender swapped version of my relationship mm-hmm. with my wife. There's so many ways in which I'm always the one who's being told that I'm walking too fast. Well, and there are sometimes when I, when like if Jen and I are d- at Disneyland because I'm a little child, I can't wait to get to the rides. So <laughs> I, uh, pardon me attractions. And so I, I will sometimes walk faster than her, but, and, and when we are walking to the gym, we're, we're doing okay. Uh-huh. Walking back from the gym, I'm sore, sore and sure, I'm sure. just, anyway, that's, but me, I'm always, I'm always walking as quickly as without drawing attention to myself as quickly as I can. Right. Because to me, walking is boring. Wherever I'm going, I'm going for a reason. Amen. And I'd to like that. to get there. Amen to that. Uh, yeah, I hate all things cardio, which is probably why I'm not in the best shape <laughs> because it's boring as hell. Um, I need but twelve thousand steps a day now. Twelve thousand. That's dominant. exciting. Twelve thousand. Yeah. Jenda's 10,000 steps a day. She's got her little Fitbit there. Um, so here's what happened oh, when we were stopping. How many steps I've done today? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. It's loading up. 14,155 steps. That's today. exciting. And to yeah. think you're going to walk all the way home after this. That's, <laughs> that's amazing to <laughs> Not me. Not the case. So we were stopped, and I uh, noticed out of the corner of my eye your right eye for my right eye yes a man walking towards us and being a bit stumbly and i thought like okay and he's holding a single rose okay uh then i notice his hand is covered in blood and he has blood on his forehead as well and he's like really stumbling and it's just like Oh, and we're right by the, uh, a hospital uh, on Roscoe. So he's walking towards that. And we're like, I guess, should we try to help him and like walk yeah. him in? And just as we're having that conversation, a car just like pulls up really quickly and out jump a couple of cops who like, you know, they take care of him. They like, they sit him down on like a little grassy area, like lay him down, make sure he's doing okay. So like, well, I guess they're probably going to take him to the hospital a moment. Uh, I don't know what happened. And I, obviously I can't say like, uh, excuse me, officer, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. I've got a podcast I'm going to do in a couple hours. Yeah. And uh, so we had to, ju- so we just kept walking and I looked back and I saw that he had a jacket with no shirt on and there was blood just all over his chest. And I don't know. I, that single rose is the one that gets me. Like that's real. Yeah. Uh, that that's very Some David Lynch. I was, yeah, yeah, it's gonna say it's a somewhat. Yeah, let's stick with David Lynch. I was gonna say it's somehow uh, like John Woo esque somehow, but uh, but let's stick with David Lynch. So it was a very strange thing. So that's something that I saw. It's since last the last time we did one of these. It's that that urge to just ask like. There's situations where anyone would want to ask what's sure. going on, but you can't. Yeah. Like I was walking, this was a couple of weeks ago, I was walking 
uh, my dog early in the morning. I get up very early in the morning, walk my mm-hmm. dog. That's part of the re- part of how I get my 12,000 steps right. and a half hour walk with the dog every morning. Um, and, uh, 45 minutes on weekends. Watch out. And, um, uh, there was a cop, cop car in a coroner's van on my street. Oh boy. Block. That's rough. And I really just wanted to be like, what happened? Yeah. But I can't, but you can't. Yeah. Isn't that awful? And this, uh, this is a, a sillier one, but there's a reality show. I won't say what that I was watching, uh, recently, um, over the summer in which one of the contestants, I could never tell whether or not he had a glass eye. Okay. And I really, really wanted someone. I have to assume this is America's next top model, right? <laughs> no, like... it wasn't. I really wanted someone on camera to say, hey, what's up with your eye? But of course no one would say that. I would never, ever say that if I were like on the show. But I just wanted to know, why can't I know what's going on with this guy's eye? Or why can't I be somebody like Kramer? Somebody who can just <laughs> ask these questions. Here's and pretty nobody... them. You just need a nose job. Yeah, right? just, yeah exactly. I was going to say, people, you just ask these questions and nobody bats an eye, a glass eye. Or you just say, hey, why is that man covered in blood? can I do anything to help? I'm joking. Of course, I don't want to help. I just want to know what's <laughs> happening here. So yeah. So there's an example of something that was not a movie or a TV show that I saw that yeah. was just as dramatic as anything I saw in the theater or on my television screen. You know, um, we tend to keep this to, uh, movies and TV. Indeed. But there are other media that we indulge in. Uh, I have talked about albums on here. Before, oh yes. Yes. Uh, but I've also been reading, uh, a fair amount of comic books lately. Oh, okay. And, uh, I'm sure I, I don't know, like I'm not that tuned into the comic book world, so I don't know, uh, yeah. if I'm late to the party or if everyone's already talking about this, but there's a new issue. One of a new, uh, series called paper girls. Okay. Um, from image, uh, from, uh, Brian, image, I remember them. Brian K. Vaughn, I think. Okay. That um, sound that name sounds familiar too. Um, well he did, um, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, he did Why the Last Man. Okay, that's it. He worked on Lost as well. Okay. But now I'm second-guessing myself. And this first issue is a double double-sized first issue of Paper okay. Girls. Is Since I've gotten back into trying to read comics more regularly, it's like my favorite thing that I've read. And I oh, can't nice. wait to read new issues of Paper Girls every week. That's so, exciting. Uh, that's the thing I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, um, okay. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn. Well, let's get to the actual uh, stuff that people have, have tuned this in. This is a movie for. journal. Yeah. Uh, now, I guess I'll go first because you'll also go first because it's the thing we both saw. Right. right? But you know, before I do that, here's the thing. So I've only seen one movie and I've seen in, the, in the last week. But it should be noted that there was a day when you and I watched five movies in one day oh, all in a row. let's talk about that real quick. Indeed. So, uh, listeners, uh, David and I, this past Sunday, I don't know why I feel the need to say the day. Um, we sat down at noon and watched five horror movies in a row, five slasher movies. Yeah, with a bunch of our friends. With a bunch of our friends, we recorded uh, commentary on these on these movies. You can purchase these commentaries three dollars each or ten dollars for the bunch, which is a savings of five dollars. Everybody, which yeah, that's is the way to go. That's the way. To, obviously, that's the way to go. Um, so the movies that we talk about are Halloween. I'm, I'm sorry. Why am I saying this? Sorry. We're doing this for Halloween. So, Psycho, The Texas Chain, Saw, Massacre, uh, <laughs> Halloween, Child's Play, and Scream. 
So we watched these five movies. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Here's some of the people that we had on. I can't, I don't remember all of them, so I'll say some of the notables. Uh, oh, yeah, that's going to hurt some feelings. That is going to hurt some feelings. Uh, look, note... The, some, the people that were on, they know if they're a big seller or not. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll just mention the people that like been on TV and stuff. Okay. Okay. So uh, you got your Susan Burke. Sure. And I believe this is the first time she's done one of those commentaries. And uh, yeah. she and Matt Peters were on talking about Child's Play. And it Hollywood was delightful. Hollywood power couple. No question about it. Uh, Matt Champagne was on talking about how much he hates Psycho. <laughs> um, which uh, he doesn't officially, but we yeah. all know. Pat Francis talked about how much he loved Psycho. Indeed. Uh, we had Bill Dwyer talked about how much he loved all the sweaters, sweaters. worn on worn in scream. I want to say a quick something about Bill Dwyer. So, <laughs> so we've done, this is our third round of these commentaries. And for, for some reason, these, this one wore me out more than the others, which is strange. Cause I got it's more s- sleep going in. It's the same amount of time, but it's five movies. I think that's what it is. There's, you have to change gears, you know, right, Lord right. of the Rings. Like I'm in Lord of the Rings mode for right. nine hours. Yeah. Um, and so by the time we get around to scream, which is not a short movie, it's the longest of the, five it's movies. the longest of the bunch. Uh, by the time we get around to scream, my energy was low and you were feeling under the weather. Yes. And so I was just like, boy, this is going to be a slog. <laughs> How silly of me. Uh, we were joined by Bill Dwyer, who's the human embodiment of energy. Yes. And it was marvelous. And he really gave us a nice boost. Unlike anyone, can we say unlike anyone else, he, he stayed for the entirety of he sure did so he is there for all of he sure did and it was a lot of fun um to just hear him rank and re-rank the sweaters on screen uh (laughs) Uh, so that was a great deal of fun uh mike schmidt was on paul goebel yeah uh, benny arthur benny arthur christine ziemba a lot of all people that have been on this show uh it was a lot of fun people were really game to to talk about whatever and uh i don't know it was we enjoyed ourselves we think you guys would enjoy it as well yeah. Um, this is a way that you can support the show and get something and out get of it as well. So we're not just one of these podcasts that say here like, Oh, just donate to us. Why don't you sign up for our donation drive? And, uh, oh boy, it's going to be awkward when we announce that donation. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you looked on the calendar, David, it's next week. Oh. Um, oh, geez. No, we used to do that. <laughs> we did. And we would give prizes yeah. to a select few people. Indeed. And we decided, Hey, why don't we, give prizes to literally everyone who gives us money exactly by selling these commentaries. So that's what exactly. it is. We do this instead of doing the donations we used to do. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously we have sponsors and stuff like that, but this is just a way to, first off, it's, it's fun. We enjoy doing it. You guys seem to enjoy hearing it. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. So we just wanted to let you guys know that that is available. You can go to battleship pretension.com on the side of the page. There'll be a little graphic that says battleship pretension slasher commentaries. Uh, click on that and, uh, you'll pay through paypal um and i will send it to you within about 24 hours of of the purchase so uh anyway we can move on just wanted to let everybody know about that yeah definitely check it out it was a, it was a blast okay all right um the first thing i want to talk about first movie i talk about also mm-hmm. the movie you saw because we saw it together indeed we had a, an impromptu unplanned double date yeah but I, that's true yes uh except i think i assumed that you uh, we're going to be there because the way that the e- listeners look, you don't, you're not interested in this, but the way the emails work out is that, uh, 
David gets stuff sent to him, sent to him, and then he'll send it on to the other writers and that sort of thing. He's kind of the the public. He's the, our liaison between uh, with the studios, and, and so, just as you are our liaison to our sponsors, indeed. which I don't envy. So uh, I'm glad with that. Our sponsors are nothing but pleasant, David. I don't know what the you you have to do a studio bureaucracy. Are you kidding me? Yes, I'm happy with the division of labor here. <laughs> yeah, I have no patience for any of that. <laughs> but um, but through a, a weird snafu. Uh, uh, more than one lesson gets some of these screenings sent to me. Yeah. So I got a screening for bridge of spies sent directly to me. Oh, we didn't not say bridge of spies yet. It's bridge of spies. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sent directly to me, but I didn't get one forwarded to me. So I thought like, okay, David took that one. Right. Yeah. So I'll see him there. Yep. So, and sure enough, we were all there and I believe Aaron Newworth was there as well, oh, but I didn't, didn't but I didn't see him. Uh, I, based on his, his tweets, uh, he was there. So yes, yeah, so we're talking about bridge of spies, Steven Spielberg's bridge of spies. Indeed. Um, a good movie that I think you liked more than I did. I think I, I, I did, but it's, it's not high on my, on my no, list. Yeah. I think I'm settling at a maybe B minus if I'm going to give it a letter grade. I probably go B. Okay. Um, uh, there, a lot there of people like part. it more than, more than we do. It's getting I'll, very good reviews. A lot of people like it more than we do. And I, <laughs> Look, there are great elements to it. Well, this is individually you're gonna, that you and I are going to have because okay. I feel like uh, I feel like I want to talk about things in terms of the first half and the second half, but really mm-hmm. it's like the first third and the second two thirds. Very much so. In that, terms of runtime, yeah. I really thought I will say that I definitely thought it was going to be a different division. Um, I really thought that first third was going to be the bulk of the movie actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. and, um, and that's, that's part, but let's still just the first part and the second part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first part is more of a legal drama. Yes. Um, and the second part is more of a, uh, in the every man becomes a spy, uh, subgenre. Yes. Yes. Um, and I really like the first part better. The second part still has plenty of, it's still Steven Spielberg. It's still made, uh, very sharply and, uh, never, never really lags. It only, only lags to me in comparison with the briskness, briskness, uh, of the first part. And I'll say this. So when I say that there are elements that are great, I, I mean, specific performances. I think this is some of the better cinematography we've seen from Janusz Kaminski in a while. Um, yeah. and it didn't need to be given the type of movie that we're watching, but like the, that camera, moves a lot more than I thought it was going to. And well, when I think I, of like Lincoln, like I don't remember Lincoln having yeah, really well, interesting. I, I mentioned in my review and I, I know you read it that I feel like, especially in the first part, Spielberg is taking cues from the fact that the screenplay is co-written by the Coens and that, that, that more persistent camera, yeah. uh, that more arch, uh, a te- you know, conspicuous camera yeah. feels like a Cohen move. Ever, that first, that first part definitely feels more Cohen brothers in that there's a, there's a crispness to it. There's a sharpness to it. There's a vibrance to it that I think the the second not half but the second part yeah. uh doesn't have the second part is definitely more conventional even though within that there are individual scenes and individual interactions that i th- i think are very great uh simply because uh, i think the actors do a great job yeah there's a, that's another thing we need to talk about is that yes it's this is the tom, the tom hanks show in a lot of ways he's he's yeah. the star of the movie but mark rylance is great yeah and a couple of guys that i wasn't familiar with before are great scott shepherd uh as the uh, as um, tom hanks's cia liaison he's great is great and kind of hilarious yeah and then i don't know his name but um the 
the guy at the Russian embassy. I love him. Fantastic. I forgot to look up his name. Yeah, I I forgot as well. I thought he was great. Um, I also really like the guy that plays uh, the head of the CIA, Dulles. Uh, The actor's name is uh, Peter McRobbie, I believe, who was in um, The Visit. And he was in um, Inherent Vice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed his performance as well, even though an argument could be made that it's like out of a different film because it's a bit stylized, but I'm okay with that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good in the movie. Um, And one thing that in reading your review... um, Well, okay, you know what? Here's what I'll say. I was worried going in, okay, for... uh, I was worried about honestly political things which i know is probably wrong of me i I shouldn't think that way but so i have a certain not sensitivity but i i'm fascinated by soviet history Mm -hmm. um not that there's a great deal of it but um but i i took a russian soviet history class i took a modern european history class which had a huge emphasis on russia uh for a long time my favorite uh novel was crime and punishment which is not soviet but um I'm fascinated by Russia and specifically the fact that it is, as far as I can tell, ungovernable. Um, Well, it is is enormous. It's huge. It does feel like it should be split up, but I feel like nobody's going to be happy about that. Um, So, And it's a place I've always wanted to visit. Uh, It's a place with just tremendous history and a very very sordid history in some cases. So I was very excited about that, but I also don't have any illusions about what Soviet Russia was, uh, especially from on a governmental level which was very oppressive, <laughs> very murderous, and uh, basically um, subject to the whims of whoever's in charge. And when you have somebody like a Joseph Stalin in charge, that's bad news. So my concern going into Bridge of Spies, based on, my, based on Munich, which is a movie I love, uh, my concern was that, that the film was going to put put out this idea that, you know, that concept of like, Oh, we're not so different. You and I, you know, that we would see a lot of like knee jerk reactionary American stuff, sort of pre McCarthy esque, uh, pre McCarthyism, but still with that tone, okay. I thought we were going to see a lot of that. And that the big point that was going to be made is that, well, you know, we're against the communists, but we're really not that much better than they are. And as somebody who's deep, who's, who's deeply aware of the, I'm going to go ahead and say atrocities committed uh-huh. by Soviet Russia. It's just like, Hey, look, there's plenty of stuff to be, to not be proud of, uh, or be ashamed of okay. in American history, even yeah. around that, that era. But to me, it's just, I was just like, I hope the movie doesn't make this point that these two countries are basically alike in all ways. So that's what I brought to the movie. Okay. And when it, when it wound up not being yeah, it doesn't that, do that, yeah. but it, it does highlight the fact that within that, that government mm-hmm. and, uh, that regime or whatever, the people are still people when, it, when it comes to one-on-one interactions, which yes. he has with, we mentioned the Russian guy at the embassy, yeah. but then also an East German official. Yeah, as well. I like those scenes too. Yeah. What's that actor's name? I don't know. He looked very familiar to but me. He looks like a young powers booth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I was like, do I recognize him or does he just look like a young powers? Booth? Did powers booth take a trip to Germany <laughs> uh, about 40 years ago. Um, anyway, uh, in those in those scenes, you see that he is talking. He's not talking to 
represent, you know, just, uh, manifestations of this monolith. Right. He's talking to human beings. Yes. And so that I really like the individuals are individuals. And I feel like, so the film wound up putting my assuaging, is that the right word? Yeah. Assuaging my concerns by going for something much more subtle and much, much more complex, especially in that first half, um, first part. And then when he goes to, uh, East Germany and, and deals with some, you know, Russian officials and we're dealing with like actual spy stuff. Uh, and you actually see the Russian government or the Soviet government, um, kind of, uh, come into play. It does become two things. One is the part of me that says like, yes, bad, like bad behavior. It seems a bit whitewashed to say that, but like, but awful horrible actions and an oppressive um way of doing things deserves to be called out where it is you know and i think the film does do that and i'm excited about that but at the same time so philosophically great artistically that first part was still much better it's it's a lot tighter and it's a lot more intriguing and it's a lot more complex uh i obviously agree but i think philosophically the first part is more interesting to me as well because i guess to me, the things you're saying that uh, that it was that life under Soviet uh, rule, especially at this time in the early 1960s, was probably worse than life under American rule. Yeah, it doesn't that that is not enough to sustain as much yeah. of the movie. It focuses on that, whereas the conflicts of the first part, which um, kind of suggest that. Were it not for men like Donovan, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hanks's uh, character, who who believe in their in their guts on in in certain American ideals or yeah. constitutional ideals, uh, that maybe we could slip into in, in into that sort of yeah. uh, totalitarianism and because of you know uh, groupthink and nationalism as opposed to sure um, whatever you would call. Uh, uh, nationalism as opposed to what I, what I, I guess, um, what Donovan represents is more of a pride in national identity. Sure. Um, cause I think, I know I wrote this in my notes. I can't remember if it's in my review, but the idea that, um, the sanctity, uh, and respectability of a nation's identity is, can be more important than its own security. Oh, I agree completely. Because- and, I, and I feel like that's, that, that, that is a more interesting, uh, conflict Donovan against fellow Americans who claim to believe the same stuff he does, yeah. um, but are actually willing to put the reputation of America and the soul of America, if you will, at risk uh, because it's the um, easier and maybe more immediately satisfying, satisfying yeah. thing uh, to do. And it's so interesting to me to see so many people get on board uh, the idea of having, of it's like, well, this guy deserves a defense and we're going to give him the very best or rather we're going to, we need to be seen as giving yeah, him the very best. Yeah. Um, so their instinct is one that comes from a correct place. Well, as putting out, putting aside the idea of like perception above all, but, um, which is a very Soviet idea by the way, but, um, like it comes from a, from a right place. And it's almost like, you remember Beckett, you and I watched Beckett. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where, which is one of the most, it's a wonderful film. It's, I believe it's on Netflix. Everybody go and see it. But, um, it's, uh, 
such a fascinating story and a true one, which is, uh, King Henry the second, I believe, um, named his drinking buddy, Thomas Beckett as uh-huh. archbishop of Canterbury. And he's just like, awesome. Now this guy's going to just, or is he the head of the church of England? I, be- I, it's been a I think he's the archbishop, bishop, but I'm not hundred percent. Um, and he's like, awesome. Now the church is going to let me do whatever I want. But the minute Thomas Beckett is in there, who and he had full he was fully expect he expected himself to be like yeah sure i'm going to let the king do whatever he wants it's going to be awesome but once he's in there suddenly the responsibility of what's actually on him causes him to rise to the challenge and he winds up defying the guy who put him in there and yeah. it's one of the, it's a fascinating story that par- partially because it's true that is actually a thing that is actually yeah. what happened and the results are actually rather tragic but um it reminds me of that which is this guy doesn't want to do it he's he knows what it's going to be and then he winds up being the go-getter more so than anybody who who was fighting for him to be in that position so um so yeah that first part is interesting and i'm certainly not the first person to say that it's a little Capra esque, and even even in the that's early not, scenes, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. No. Um, I think it's a thing that uh, it'd be nice to see more of. Um, <laughs> and along those lines, and I know we need to move on, but I guess we don't have a whole lot to talk about. Um, along those lines, let me ask you this: I go back and forth on whether this is a positive or a negative because this is Capra esque, and it has a very specific kind of tone. I feel like there's a great deal of polish on art direction, costume, Mm -hmm. whatever, to the point of it's like, oh, we're not seeing American cars in the 50s. We're seeing the essence of American cars in the 50s. (laughs) We're seeing the essence of overcoats and and fedoras. We're seeing the essence of uh, Soviet Russia. Like everything is not, it doesn't necessarily look lived in. Like everything looks like a postcard. Um, Now, instinctively that bothers me but if it is trying to kind of wear its heart on its sleeve and be this sincere thing should i have a problem with that your thoughts Uh, i think given the um status social and economic status of the men who are in the movie sure uh it kind of fits that they would have you know new cars and new top hats or overcoats and not top hats, but fedoras and overcoats. Okay. Uh, and you know, when we see Mark Rylance at the beginning, it's a, it's a different, it's a different view. That's true. But, and I guess even then, uh, just the, like the way his character is a painter is the essence of a painter. Like it's just (laughs) where it's just the, the way that he's so careful, which of course, given what he is, it makes sense that he would be. Um, but I mean, do you know what I mean? Like everything is so measured and everything is just so it might as well be a Wes Anderson film as far as the attention paid or a Coen brothers film. The, yes, that's true. Actually, yeah. now that I think about, it, which is maybe one of the reasons why one of my favorite uh, my favorite films of theirs are like Fargo, which, while very precise, still feels a hundred percent lived in. Um, okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, we we can move on. But all it's, right. Yeah. It's, it's a and how great is Mark Rylance, by the way? You got to watch Wolf Hall. I, I know. I do. You would love it. All right. Uh, I, I was going to say I hope he gets nominated. But uh, I don't have them in our fantasy draft. Oh, so. <laughs> I meant to. I, I, you know, in the episode, we should go through and say what our what our picks are. People are interested in that sort of thing. I don't think they are. <laughs> People ask all the time. Well, if you ask me, I'll tell. I'm not okay. I'm not, right. I don't know if I'm interested. All right, real quick, I'll talk about another movie that I saw. 
I wish I had gotten a drink of water first, but uh, it is directed by Sebastian Silva, mm. and it's called Nasty Baby, and it stars Sebastian Silva. He, okay. He also stars in it, uh, as well as Tunde Adabimpe from oh the band TV on the radio. But uh, as far as acting, you'll remember him from Ra- Rachel getting married. Right. He's the one who's marrying Rachel. Mm. Um, and so it's 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 uh, Sebastian Silva and Tunde Adabimpe play a gay couple who uh, are trying to have a child with their good friend, uh, Polly played by Kristen Wiig, oh, okay. who is going to carry, it's going to be her baby as well. Um, it's going to be Freddie played by Sebastian Silva. His sperm is going to be injected into Polly, but then he turned, he finds out that his sperm count is too low. Mm-hmm. And so then they have to decide Mo played by tuning at a bit pay suddenly has to decide some, you know, uh, you know, if he if he wants to go through with it, which is a different question, I guess. Uh, it's something you don't really think about. Uh, they wanted to have a baby, and they yeah. still could, but it's a, suddenly a different question for him uh, as to because it's donating. because it's genetically yeah it's his yeah. Now. So it's uh, that's that's one of the, that's sort of the main storyline, but it also has um, uh, a, a few other uh, noted uh, character actors in it. Uh, Elia Shawcat is in it. Um, she played maybe on arrested development. Got it. She's also one of the producers of the film. Uh, the great character actor, Mark Margolis plays, oh, yeah, absolutely. uh, their neighbor who is also gay and sort of has, uh, uh, he represents, um, sort of the, he's a survivor of a less open right. New York gay population sort of represents, uh, you know, what, you know, his generation went through so that people like Freddie and Mo, uh, can live more openly. And then the other storyline, and these two storylines will meet, uh, is that they have a new neighbor who is a mentally ill man played by Reg E. Kathy. Oh, okay. Uh, who's also a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, people, uh, He's been in a million things. I tend to think of him first as Carcetti's advisor from The Wire. Right. But he was also on... Uh, he was oh, in Oz. Well, okay. Here's a... Uh, do you remember his character's last name on Oz? I do. What was it? Querns. Querns. And on another show, another series, he, he played a recurring character with the same last name. That's strange. That's clearly they did it on purpose Obviously, as an yeah. homage. But could, yeah. do you know what... Uh, I don't law and order SVU. Okay. Did like four episodes as like Ron Quirns or something like something, (laughs) some other first name, but Quirns. Yeah. That's, that's obviously. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, and he plays a mentally ill man here, uh, who is also, he tends to, uh, stand around outside harassing, you know, blowing the leaf blower at, six thirty in the morning mm-hmm. and then harassing them with homophobic slurs and unwanted advances toward Kristen Wiig. Mm. Um, so he's clearly not a, he's not a positive presence, right? But he's also mentally ill. Yeah. Uh, and so, and he doesn't have a, a handler's not the right word. <laughs> no, um, he doesn't. <laughs> okay. Um, and so here, what I'm going to say about the movie, about the, the theme of the movie is going to make it sound like a better movie than it is. Okay. Which is it, examines how uh, a person's value toward human life exists on sort of a sliding scale. 
Okay. You know, these people are committed to bringing a new life into the world and to loving and protecting that life. Okay. Meanwhile, there's this other person who is on the surface of things deserving of their sympathy. Sure. Uh, but is also represents a threat potentially to okay. this new life. And so that's where the push and pull of the movie comes in. It's a really interesting premise for a movie, unfortunately. And I can't, I can't talk about, I can't talk about specifically why I don't like the movie in the end. Mm. Um, because it depends on a, uh, a, a late twist or a late development. Okay. But it basically, it's a very naturalistic movie, fantastically performed by these actors. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the dialogue were, uh, improvised, um, because it has that just sort of flowing overlapping feel to it. And it's really, really well done. And then it, something happens and then they have to, they have to, they have to behave in a way that I think betrays the naturalism that Silva as a director mm. and screenwriter has set up. And so it, it kind of yanked me out of the movie. Um, uh, I happened to see it with our friend Kyle Anderson have to be, having to be at the same screening. And mm-hmm. uh, he felt similarly, I think um, based on our conversation in the elevator. <laughs> um, okay. And it's a, uh, it's a shame because it's a really well-made movie. Um, this guy, uh, Sebastian Silva, he made a movie a few, like six years ago or so called the maid. And then he made a movie a few years ago with Michael Sarah that was called something about a cactus and a fairy. I don't know. Ca- cactus fairy. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Magic uh, cactus fairy, something like that. It has like a, yeah. And I can picture the cover too. Yeah, he made that. And, okay. um, he's clearly a talented filmmaker. I think this screenplay just needed uh, another couple of passes to get it to the point that it, yeah, uh, that it, that it feels of a of a whole. So that's uh, that's unfortunate. Okay, but it's called Nasty Baby. All right, all right. You had a few TV shows to talk about. Right? I do, yes. Uh, and do you have any? I mean, I, I, I other than just catching up on you know, I'm I'm still watching. Project Runway, The Amazing Race. Right. Uh, are you are you caught up on Amazing Race? I yet? haven't watched a single episode. Okay, of so it. we can't talk about that. That yet. Friday thing, like, has really been uh, kicking you don't my have ass. To watch it on Friday. I know, but it's it it's such a gorgeous show. I like to see it on my big TV as much as I can, and I oh, don't right. have a you DVR. Don't have a DVR. Yeah. Is that that's at this point you're like making a statement, right? By not um, getting a DVR. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say making a statement. More just like I I don't uh, I know me, uh-huh. and I know that like. I would go probably a little crazy with it and uh, I would probably be a little bit tied to it. And but I you don't watch movie. You watch TV on the internet, which is even worse because you have everything like uh, everything that's on the internet is available to you at all times. And yet the thing is like, uh, watching TV on the internet, it's, it's almost always while I'm working. Uh, and okay. so it becomes a thing that I just have on and we'll talk more about that as we go on. But, uh, but yeah, so, okay, okay. moving on. Uh, no, I, I, I just, so just your, your standard Runway, things. Amazing race, modern family, last man on earth. Those are the things okay. that I'm watching that I'm caught up on. I'm okay. not caught up on any of the other stuff that I watch. Okay. Basically I just named the shows that I watch with my wife, which are the only shows I'm caught up on. Okay. Otherwise I've been what a good husband. Uh, yeah, I've been reading comic books. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so I have been catching up on the awesomes because I ran out of other things to watch, uh, or at least the things that I watch. Um, and, uh, it's, this season is developing again. The show is not, the show is only ever going to be 
C plus B minus, like as far as its premise, which we've seen a million times before, um, of like, oh, it's a superhero comedy. It's like, all right, well, <laughs> you now have to, you need to match up with The Tick and um, uh, The Incredibles, and you are going to come up short. Right. And you know that's that's okay, except that they, uh, so many of the jokes are a little bit lazy, but the animation is really gorgeous, and some of the character, the characters are are strong and pretty well conceived. But yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing. So, um, but it's 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 not terrible. They're they're developing an arc that that I think will work well for the season. Um, I watched South Park. I guess I'm in uh, this okay. season, and it's it's delightful. Um, there is a. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna say this day. Okay, so. Uh, the most recent episode is called you're not yelping and it's all about, uh, Yelp reviewers who take themselves way too seriously, specifically of restaurants in South park. Um, cause that's one of the things that, uh, that is coming about, man, this season, like this arc that they're developing is fascinating because they're, de- sometimes it's a tonal arc mm-hmm. because they're developing like uh, a sense of entitlement. Not that, I mean, the residents of South Park often have that, uh-huh. but now it's a very specific sense of uh, entitlement. And so, um, so yeah, uh, so they go around and essentially like blackmail these restaurants by like holding this negative re- Yelp review over their head. And then the restaurants just have to do whatever they can. <clears throat> and uh, so finally, um, <sighs> So finally, the the restaurants decide that they're they're going to fight back, and uh, we get a montage set to a wonderful jaunty little tune. The title of which is "Boogers and Come," <laughs> and uh, you can guess how that plays into the uh, into the episode. Yeah, but it is hilarious and it's really great. I love what they are doing this season. Um, and then I I went back and watched season five because it just popped up on Netflix. Season five of The Walking Dead. Um, what season is the show on now? Six. Okay. So, and they, they, they like, split it up. They do that. Yeah, they split shit. it up so much that I feel like as someone who doesn't watch the walking dead, I feel like the walking dead is either about to have a premiere or about to have a finale constantly. constantly. It's like the walking dead is back. What? <laughs> when did it leave? Oh, yeah. like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And it bothers me so much. And that's the thing. Like when I say that I watched season five, I mean, I watched the second half of season five. I had seen the first half and, mm-hmm. um, and it's very interesting, and I guess maybe maybe because there's an election uh, that we're, we've got primaries going on, but I've got politics on the brain. Sure. Um, but I don't think I need to have politics on the brain to see what's what was going on with this half of the season, where you they they get welcomed into this community with people that are just like they're very optimistic, they're very. Uh, it's like, all right, you get, it's like, you can have your guns when you, when you leave, cause you got to protect yourself. But when you're in these walls, we've got the armory and you've got to keep your guns there. Uh, and they're just like, none of them are at all prepared to deal with zombies at all. And so you have this group that comes in and is very weather beaten and, mm-hmm. and hardened and all of that. And so you have this argument between philosophies um, and our group, the group that we've been, that we've been following, they regularly, even the 12 year old kid describes these people as weak. And so an argument could probably be made that you have an, uh, the, this, 
discussion between two ideologies. One is like optimistic and very, and very much like we can embrace peace and we'll be fine. And the other one's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You've never been out there. How old was the kid when the show started? Uh, he was young. He was, Oh, you mean the actor? Yeah, I guess the, either way, um, can't, it's, it's hard to hide that. It is. They're recasting him. No, it's still the same kid. Uh, he reads young. Uh, okay. I think it's probably, the show's been on, what, four or five years? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess se- so. Season six. Yeah, yeah I guess I, I've lost complete track yeah. of these things. How's, um, John, how's John Bernthal's character on the show? How's he? Oh, boy. Scott Wilson? Oh, man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is, uh, David, I'm sorry to tell you. Um, so, uh yeah. <laughs> oh, and here's a fun. So I watched episode uh, one of season six because uh, it was available on AMC for free. And so I've been telling Jen because Jen also is always looking for like TV shows to have on while she's working. And so I said like, hey, you know, uh, I know you weren't a big fan of season one of The Walking Dead, but it it, it picks up and it gets better over the years. Um, and so I was telling her that a couple of days ago. <laughs> and then today. Uh, so and then yesterday I was watching episode one and Ethan Embry shows up oh. and she's a big fan of his and and I am as well and yeah. so I was just like I was like oh that that might be a selling po- oh never mind <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it literally it, like I I was literally having the thought and then he gets his face ripped off oh, wow. um, bitten off pardon me and uh, but yeah so the effects are as good as ever one thing that I really like is that now the zombies it's because it's been going for because th- this is, apocalypse has been going on for f- a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the timeline of the show, maybe three years. Um, and the zombies are now rotten. Like if you look at the makeup effects at the beginning of the show, and if you look at them now, it's different. Now the zombies in some ways are easier to dispatch because you can just right like everything they're they're softer you know it's gross as that sounds um and you have some really great effects where like someone will try it like if a zombie was going after you and i try to grab it uh its skin will come off in my hand and then it's still going after you uh oh. it's it's really gross but it's it's gorgeous to look at by gorgeous of course i mean hideous but um and the scripts are getting better and the and the characters are getting better so it wound up being a it, being an interesting idea um, this season of, of like, okay, well, what does it take to create a civilization? And at what point do you leave behind the brutality required to establish one and protect it? Okay. At what point do you leave that behind? But also can you ever completely leave it behind? It's a really, I don't know. It, it, they're doing what they, what finally they should have been doing what what zombie movies have been doing since the beginning, which is, asking philosophical questions. All right. You know? Sounds good. And I'm so. assuming they found that little girl they were looking for. Uh, oh, uh, boy. <laughs> on the farm. All right. Uh, thanks. Bye. Bye.